Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the uh, video teaching series, uh, The Love of God. And this is part three of that series, and this is lesson three of part three. And part three, we're focusing on the second commandment, God loving others through us or loving others. Uh, I have been told that the essence of teaching is repetition. And so over the many years that, the, that I have, uh, by the grace of God, given myself to the Lord for him to use me in teaching, I have seen that he makes some similar points but from different perspectives so that all of that uh, fills in your the, the whole picture of it. If you've ever done set up face recognition on an Apple device, uh, they've got your your face in a circle, and you you have to move your face around to get for them to be able to get the whole picture. That's what the Lord's trying to do. He's trying to give you the whole picture so that we can recognize the things he's trying to teach us and impart to us from whatever direction or perspective that he may be dealing with it through us at any particular time. And so while in this series on the, uh, the love of God, parts one and two and now parts three, uh, there are things we have said. Uh, there are times to emphasize that part specifically. And so... Uh, in the, the title of lesson three here is loving myself through God's love for me. <clears throat> and why is that important? Because the second commandment specifically says that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And of course, as I've said many times, the, the, the second time the word love is in that verse, it's not actually written because of the gram grammatical rules of redundancy. Our mind automatically supplies the word, and that's not adding to the word. It's automatically understood to be there because of the the, the rules of grammar and the, the structure of the sentence, et cetera, et cetera, both in English and in Greek. And so it's literally, with forgetting the rules of redundancy, the second commandment is we are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. <clears throat> and so uh, this lesson is going to be a little differently. I, I, I've, got, uh, I've got a few things I had that are written down, and uh, I, I, I just want to hit the high points of them while the Holy Ghost uh, flows with this, because it's really feel like that to make sure these points, no matter what else the Lord says and how he says it, that these points he's given uh, to make sure that I don't miss them. And so, again, it's impossible for me and you to fulfill the second commandment, loving people with human emotion. It's not that it's bad or wrong for us to love people with human emotion. I'm not, I'm not saying there's something wrong with that. From a human perspective, there's not something wrong with that. Uh, to have affection for someone to uh, to to uh, feel a, a connection or a, a bond with them, 
And of course, we know that connection and that love, that human love varies based on who it's toward. Obviously, my love for my wife is not the same thing as the, my love for my children. And it's not the same thing as my love for my friends, uh, etc. So each one of those loves, while it is human affection, it is different. But that is altogether different than if God is loving my wife through me and God is loving my children through me and God is loving my friends through me and God is loving the world, the lost of this world through me. Completely different. I was ministering for a, a young man a couple of years ago and he is, he is quite a, an amazing man of God. He has tremendous passion and love for the Lord and, and God has used him to do mighty things and he, he is pastoring several works and, uh, he's used a lot and he, uh, he's, he's very apostolic. He hears from God and does the work, the, the will of God and he, he preaches as the Holy Ghost flows through him and, and I was there with him in his church for the first time and, uh, I observed all of that and ministered and whatever. And he and I, uh, when we were through that night, uh, after Sunday night, I was leaving the next morning. Uh, it was just him and I that went out to eat, went out to steak and shake. And I said to him, as the Lord was directing me, I said, uh, you really love the lost, don't you? He said, yes, I do. I said, you really have a burden for the lost, don't you? Yes, I do. You, you, you really have a passion for reaching the lost, don't you? Yes, I do. And I said, those are your problems. That's your problem. That's why you're exhausted all the time. All the time. You're exhausted all the time. That's why there are days you can't get out of bed because you're just absolutely exhausted. He looked at me and said, and I said to him, uh, I don't love the lost. I don't have a burden for the lost. And I don't have any passion for reaching them. Because I died to all of that. I used to have all of that. And it drove me. And because I was driven with it, I drove everyone else with it. But I said I had to die all of that, to all of that. So that rather than me loving the lost, Jesus was loving the lost through me. Not the same thing. Rather than me having a burden for the lost, his burden for the lost was in me and uh, was compelling me. And rather than, rather than me having a passion to reach the lost, I had to die to that so he would exercise his passion for reaching the lost through me. When it's mine, my, and, and all of that is emotional, my love for the lost, my burden for the lost, my passion for the lost, that's all emotion, and it's human emotion, and it's exhausting. But when I'm just a conduit for his agape for the lost, and his burden that agape produces for the lost, and his passion to reach the lost that agape produces, I'm just a conduit. It's not exhausting. It's not exhausting. And uh, and you know you're not exhausted 
by doing that because good three, four, five hours sleep and you're ready to go again. Your mind's not tired, your spirit's not tired, your body's not tired. But there's some of us, when we hear the Lord say, love others as you love yourself, we groan, Lord, you're killing me. Yes, he is. Yes, that's absolutely the truth. He's trying to bring you and I to the end of ourselves so that we will die to ourselves, be crucified with him, so that now he can do the living through us and he can do the reaching and loving through us. But we're not going to let him do that until we come to the end of ourselves. Uh, the word Paul means small or end. That's not who Paul was when he was saved. He was Saul. He was Saul. But God brought Saul to the end of himself. And when Saul, the Christian, he was actually called an apostle as Saul. When God brought Saul to the end of himself and Paul, Paul described it as being crucified with Christ. It was then that God actually changed his name to Paul to make note of the fact that he all that he is now is a result of the fact that he was brought to the end of himself. So we're called of God, commanded of God to love our neighbors as ourselves. How did we love ourselves? We loved ourselves enough to want to be saved. If I'm loving my neighbor as myself, that means I'm loving my neighbor with his agape for the purpose and to the end that they would get saved. He loved me because I love him because he first loved me. So his love for me caused me to want to be saved. And my love for my neighbor causes me to want to see them saved. <coughs> but the Lord is wanting to do that through us. I preached over the years that being involved with the lost was a matter of salvation. And I've had people roll their eyes at me and go, Boy, you're making that stuff up. It's not in the book. How about the second greatest commandment? Is that enough for you? That if I don't obey the second commandment, I'm disobedient. And Revelation 21 and 8, the disobedient are not going to heaven. How can I freely receive of the most indescribable, awesome gift in existence that, that in, the infinite can give to the finite. He gives us himself. By these exceeding great and precious promises, we've been made partakers of the divine nature. But since we've been made a partaker of the divine nature, and the, and the essence of God is spirit. What God is is spirit. And I, when I receive the spirit, I receive God. But when I, but because God is love, when I receive the spirit, I receive God, 
I receive the love of God. It is absolutely the greatest thing God can or ever will do for you and me. How can I receive that? Knowing I don't deserve it, did not earn it. And then at the same time, not feel compelled by that same love to see other people receive that same gift. I cannot be a Christian. I can't not be involved with giving the love of God away as his conduit. Oh, I'm not giving it. I'm just the conduit for him giving it away. But I can keep him from doing it. Very quickly, I've got a whole series I'm teaching on this. The difference between a container and a conduit, we all get filled with God in the beginning. The word fill automatically implies a quantity, a limited quantity. So I get filled with God and I want to stay filled with God. But when do I want to go beyond that where I can have a, I can have an unlimited amount of God? The only way to do that is take the bottom off the container. It's the bottom of the container that is uh, uh, actually <laughs> limiting God. What is the bottom on me as a container? Me. I'm the bottom. I, my will, my way, my personality, what I like, what I don't want. What I want God to do, what I don't want Him to do, what I don't want Him to let happen. All of that, that I, I want, I've got to spend all my time trying to make sure God knows exactly how He's supposed to do it in my life and what He's not supposed to allow to happen, all that. When that con- bottom is gone from the container, I become a conduit. And now I have an unlimited amount of God. So when I'm a container, I'm going to love people with Filio, human emotion, human ability. When I can become a conduit, I'm going I'm to love God with His own love because I'm just the conduit. He does all the loving. So all the limitations of being a container are removed when I become a conduit. There are no limitations as a conduit. God can do anything He wants. All I am is His an instrument for Him to pass through from the supernatural into the temporal. Just... Word, power, authority, that's all. That's all every one of us is designed and intended to be. It's not that he's, he's not a respecter of persons. The conduit is not for me, it's for every child of God. The whole principle of the second greatest commandment is conduit. And in that series on, are you a container or a conduit? (laughs) I'm going to go through all that again. Why? Because I don't know very many principles of God any more critical than that one. Because the container is trying to live for God, trying to work for God. The conduit is letting God live through them and letting God work through them. The container has stress and problems and frustration with how limited it all is. The conduit doesn't have stress. Conduit doesn't have anything to have, have to do anything but just yield to God. Let Him do what He wants to do, when He wants to do, how He wants to do it, say what He wants to say, how He wants to do that. So, we are called to love others and put relationship with them ahead of religious attainments. The filled, the container, 
are always trying to accomplish things in God. The conduit, all the fruit is God's. It's not theirs. All the accomplishments is God's, not theirs. All the attainments are God's, not theirs. Any good that they are is God. Any righteousness they have is God. Any holiness they've got is God. All of the authority, all of the power, all of the giftings, all of the abilities, all of the talents, it's all God. They don't claim any of it. It's all God. Just a conduit. Well, this is the command. But the problem is this. This only works if I can allow the agape of God to flow through me as a conduit. But what if, what if, I can't love my, let myself be loved by God because I'm not worthy. If fulfilling the greatest commandment to love God is only possible by agape, and loving others is only possible through agape, and the only way to give agape is to first receive agape, and God who is agape is the only source of agape, then how do I receive agape? I believe, accept, receive the love that God has for me. How do I do that? If I believe, accept, and receive the love God has for me, I'm going to do what He tells me to do. Both what He's written in His Word and what He speaks to me to do by His Spirit. I can say I believe God loves me, but unless I'm allowing that love, the, because all that series, the last series, first commandment, loving God, unless I'm allowing God's love that I receive to flow back to me first and foremost to God in my obedience to Him, I'm not receiving it. I may mentally accept the fact that God loves me, but I'm not experiencing the fact that God's loved me because I haven't allowed His love in my life and I haven't submitted myself to His love so that He can work through me. And if I'm not doing that, then eventually I become the dam to my own blessings and hold those things back. Because God is not going to give things to me on my terms. Or at least, you sure don't want Him to. But you can press God. And in the Bible, there were a few people who pressed God to get what they wanted, how they wanted it, when they wanted it. And the end of the story in every one of those lives is they wish they hadn't have done that. Oh yeah, you absolutely can press God till He says, "Okay, okay, you want it that way. Here it is. You got it." But what do those people invariably do when the thing goes south or goes bad? <laughs> Who do they blame? They don't blame themselves for their choices. They blame God for letting it go that way. <laughs> we forced Him. We told him absolutely. This is the only way I'm going to do it. I, this is what this is what I'm going to do. And because he stepped back and said, "Okay, you got it," we assumed that means he was in favor of it. 
that it was all right with him. But what he said was, okay, you got it. My hands are off of it. See how it works for you doing it your way. I'm not trying to be hard or unreasonable here. I'm telling you the truth. This is important truth between you and God. And you can press and press and press you all you want. You can pray six hours a day and spend that entire six hours telling God exactly what you want Him to do, how you want Him to do it, when you want Him to do it, what you want Him to stop, what you want Him to prevent from happening. You can, you can, you can call that prayer and you can, you can spend 24 hours in a day doing that. But that's not spirituality. You can pray seven days a week, 24 hours a day and not be spiritual if you're praying for your will, your way, rather than God's will, His way. But see, and the problem is the religious want to count the number of hours they pray. The religious want to count the number of days they fasted because somehow, somehow God becomes more obligated the more hours of prayer we've got to our credit, the more days of the week we've got to our credit. But the person who's come to the end of themselves knows God doesn't do anything for us based on an accumulated amount of prayer and an accumulated amount of fasting. Because all that prayer and fasting did nothing for you. Except you fulfilled religious obligation and thought that because you were were fulfilling obligation, you were obligating God. You know what he says on that one? No deal. No deal. Because the moment I begin to count the hours I pray, I prove I don't really know what biblical prayers are all about anyway. The moment I begin to count the number of days I fast, I, 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 I prove I don't really have a whole lot of idea of what fasting is all about. Brother Barnes said that he could accomplish more spiritually for in his fasting by denying himself of certain things each day that he really liked and wanted to do than going without food for days on end and counting how many days he was going. Now, does God lead us to fast? Yes. Does he lead us to fast extended numbers of days sometimes? Yes. But shouldn't it really be up to him each day? You think Jesus went into the wilderness Okay, I got, I got to make it 40 days. Moses fasted 40 days twice. Do you think he went up to that mountaintop going, okay, phew, this is day number one. I don't know how I'm going to make this. I got 39 more days to go. Or 20 days into it. Whoa. Woo, I am just about done in. 20, I got 20 more. You think that was his attitude? You think Jesus, that was Jesus' attitude? You think they went... You think Jesus went into the wilderness and Moses went on the mountaintop to accomplish a 40-day fast? (laughs) And I've done it, you've done it, we've all done it. We go on that extended fast. Yes, sir. 
buddy, we're going to do this. And we know how long we've got to go. And we're watching the calendar and the clock to get those days in and counting down to the moment when we can eat and uh, stuff we would not normally eat. We've fantasize about it and lusted after while we were fasting and as soon as we accomplished the time we went and gorged ourselves on all that stuff we'd been fantasizing lusting about eating that's what that's what people who don't really haven't really accepted the love of God do. They're still trying to earn the love of God. They're still trying to be worthy of the love of God. I do all of that stuff. Every bit of it. And more. More than I've ever done. But I'm not doing it. And I'm not straining to do it. And I don't start out praying and set a time. Okay, I want to pray this long today. In prayer in the morning, I know whether I'm fasting that day or not. Some days I know, okay, I I pretty much have the liberty to eat whatever I'm hungry for through the day. I know that in the morning. And then some days, okay, well, I'll be eating very light today. Some days, well, I'll be eating one meal today. And other days, uh, no solids today. And some days, nothing. But I know that in the morning because as I'm fellowshipping with the Lord, the urgency and the direction of the prayer determines that, you see. I'm not trying to earn anything. I'm trying to let him be totally in charge. By the grace of God, I am letting him be totally in charge. I can't even take credit for that. The grace of God's empowering me to do that. But again, what if, what if I can't let him love me? What if? What if? What if I can't let him love me? Well, then I need to deal with that. I was uh, molested when I was five years old. I spent 33 years of my life up to February of 84, the same month I became 38. I didn't like myself on my good days. On my bad days, I hated myself. And all this time, I'm trying to be a Christian. I've got a, I'm called to preach. I'm, I'm trying to be a pastor. I'm trying to be a husband. I'm trying to be a father. I, I have district offices. I have a national office. Uh, all of this stuff. And I'm trying to get all this done and trying to build a church spiritually and build a church building naturally. And I'm trying to do all this stuff. And it's just driving me crazy. Because everything is hard. Everything is hard. Everything's hard. Because I was under pressure to be good. I was under pressure to try to do right, to be righteous. I was under pressure to build a a church. I was under pressure to preach good messages. I was under pressure to pray every day and to fast and do all of these things. And I wanted all this. I wanted it. I wanted it. But there came a point where I had to want Jesus more than I wanted all those things. But to get Jesus to the degree that I needed Jesus, 
I finally had to let him give me the grace to give all that stuff that caused me to be driven away. Took all of that away. I'm not going to get into ministering to shame today. I have several series on shame available. You can go on my Apostolic Iron YouTube channel. There's two complete seminars uh, on shame that I taught in there. They're about 10, 12 hours apiece. Uh, they're actually not the same. They are, it's kind of part one, part two, frankly, level one, level two. And then also I have a syllabus for that that's more of a book than a syllabus. And then there's also on Bible with a Bishop, which is my YouTube teaching channel, uh, those uh, shame series have been broken down into more manageable length lessons. And, uh, and all of that's available, no charge. But you need to, uh, if you want to get past your shame, you have to do that. I've spent hundreds of hours teaching and ministering on shame. In this one short lesson, I can't possibly teach that or minister that to you in this lesson. The whole purpose of this lesson was hopefully to motivate you to acknowledge to yourself all of this strain and struggle I have in trying to live for God and be saved. There's a reason for it. And that reason is, I, I can't let God love me. And since I don't receive his love unconditionally, I can't, I don't have any love to give back to him in obedience. And because I can't receive his love unconditionally, I can't minister as a conduit of God w- without taking the glory or trying to earn man's approval. Because when, when I'm over here, I have to, I need man's approval because I don't approve of myself. The, 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 the caveat to that is man can't, when you don't like yourself or you won't let God love you, man can't worship you enough for it to satisfy your need. Man can't give you enough accolades to satisfy that. Because when people did brag on me, I thought to myself, well, you just proved how spiritual you're not. Because if you really were spiritual, you'd know all of this stuff I'm struggling with, and you'd never brag on me like that. Well, God had used me. He did use me. In spite of me, in spite of all my problems, He'd used me. And people were trying to acknowledge that God had used, had used me as His vessel, not not His conduit, but His vessel, a container, and that they got helped. But I couldn't hear that in what they were saying. All I heard was them complimenting me on how how good that was, how much that blessed them. And I can't receive that. Well, I'm not supposed to receive it. It's God's glory. But I can't receive what I'm actually hearing rather than what they're trying to say because I can't receive anything from God. Because I'm not worthy. Because as a five-year-old, it was molested, didn't even know what was happening. The only way I knew what was going on was my mother caught the boy doing it to me. She educated on me, me on what happened. I didn't know what was happening. I wasn't making any lifestyle choices. The boy said we were playing a game. Never happened after all that. Thank God. But the bottom line is this, okay? 
I felt dirty. I felt broken. I felt like a mistake. All the rest of those 33 years from that day in the yard where she yelled and screamed at me trying to explain to me how bad this was. She wasn't mad at me. She was terrified. She was terrified. But for 33 years, as a five-year-old, I didn't hear her say what I was doing was bad. I heard her say that I was bad. <laughs> and trust me, if you ever hear I've fallen into sin, it won't be with a man. And I know people have their own their own trials and own tests with that, and God bless them, and, and I love them, and I pray for them. Uh, I'm not condemning them. But that's not my problem. <laughs> no. And yet all those years the devil tried to torment me over what I really was. Threatened me. And I, I, I felt so damaged. I felt so... Uh, unclean. And I had no, and everything I tried, I tried to be the good son, the good boy, the good church attendee, the good young person. I, I was the one that, that, that you know, they didn't really have any bad stuff to say about because I tried hard to be good. And from man's perspective, I was, but from in here between him and I, not so much, not so much. It was a roller coaster. And my good times and my bad times. My good times and my bad times. Thankfully, in those bad times, it wasn't so bad. I went out and just did a bunch of bad stuff. But it didn't matter, see, because I felt bad in here. I don't mean I felt bad. I mean I felt like I was bad. But he took all of that away. He took all of that away. He delivered me from every bit of that. He healed me from all of that. And gave me the ability, he gave me the ability by his love, his grace, to receive his love. And then once I began to receive his love without condition, it wasn't hard to just be the conduit, to let him, to, to let him flow through me and me obeying him, and let him flow through me and loving others. It wasn't hard. Now, have I done that perfectly all these years? No, I still got this. I don't have shame, but I got flesh. But you know what? When I have had those struggles with the flesh, his love immediately convicted me, not condemned me. His love immediately convicted me. And I re, and he helped me to understand again, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And then he would restore me. He would forgive me. So I am, I am strongly encouraging you, strongly encouraging you. That you would, uh, you would watch these, uh, shame videos. Apostolic Iron YouTube channel and Bible with a Bishop YouTube channel. It, it's there in both places. And, uh, on the Apostolic Iron YouTube channel, both seminars are there with each session in its complete entirety. Two, three hours, some of them are. And then, on uh, uh, Bible with the Bishop, they're broken down into an hour or so segments each. So that you can do lesson one, parts one, two, three, whatever it is. Just giving you an example. So you can do them like that if you choose to do that. Uh, 
personally, personally, I would recommend doing the seminars from uh, Apostolic Iron so that as you watch and the Holy Ghost is moving on you, you choose where to stop the video and pray. But it is the will of God for you and I to be able to freely receive his love for us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that the grace of God come on you and I. That God, the grace of God, which is the love of God working on us by his spirit to empower us to want him, to want to be healed, to want to be whole, to want to be free so that we can receive the love of God unconditionally so that we can then be conduits for giving the love of God back to him in obedience and him loving others through us for their sake in Jesus name and to his glory only. God bless you. Amen.